1: So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your
0: me
2: moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandys. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's Wednesday, September 23rd. I'm Oscar Ramirez from
0: the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Thousands of U.S. troops will be taking part in a COVID 19 early detection study with the aim of understanding what it means to be asymptomatic and also catching illnesses before they get worse. Soldiers will wear biomeasuring devices that monitor small changes in blood oxygen levels, heartbeat, or respiratory patterns. Nancy Youssef, national security correspondent at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for more. Thanks for joining us, Nancy. Great to be with you. I wanted to talk about uh, an interesting study that uh, American troops are going through right now. Basically, what does it mean to be asymptomatic? There's a new study that's trying to look to identify troops that have these kind of barely perceptible symptoms, quarantine them early, and they're hoping, obviously, that this could apply larger. But so they're looking at these slight changes in the body, blood oxygen levels, a bunch of different things. This is kind of a study that was already ongoing, but now they're applying this to COVID-19 research as well. Nancy, tell us a little bit about what this study is supposed to uh, help out with.
3: So as you referenced, the military is keenly interested in figuring out early detection for any kinds of illnesses like the flu, for example, because they have units, for example, special forces deploying to remote areas. And if there's somebody in that unit who could be contagious, flow down the unit, they want to know who that person is and, and eliminate them as early as possible from the possibility of contaminating others. And so to that end, they've been working with private research to have service members wearing something almost like a Fitbit that measures any changes in respiratory, blood oxygen, saturation levels, and other factors that are sort of precursors to illness. And so what's happening now is that device and that research which had started looking at symptoms of the flu is now being applied to COVID. The idea being that rather than waiting for a fever to show up, if we can find changes in blood, oxygen saturation or respiratory or heart rate, Early on, that there might be a pattern that one can see that would offer an early detection before someone shows something more overt and maybe becomes more contagious because they've reached a level where they have a fever.
0: The technology is already there. I think with the latest iWatch, they said something about that it could detect blood oxygen levels. So they're looking at this, how to implement this, and as you mentioned, kind of how to tailor it to COVID-19 to see it would all apply So tell us about the actual study. That my understanding is that they're looking for more than five thousand troops in the coming weeks to join this. And this is something that's going on between the Defense Department and Phillips.
3: That's right. And so what's happening, they've already started this with a few hundred upwards of a thousand troops who are wearing this. These are largely US based troops who are wearing this. And what they're doing with these troops is they're not interacting with them directly, but rather they're collecting data. The idea is that the U.S. military offers the option of a large volume of a population. And so they're trying to get to as many troops as possible, hopefully 5,000 is their goal, such that you would have a big data set to look at. And so they're going to be collecting over a period of weeks, all these biological, physiological changes and seeing if they can detect a pattern. I should note that in some of these instances, some of the troops who've warned them have then turned out to be Test positive for COVID 19, and so there's already sort of some data that they got from that. But I think the idea is that over time, that they'll have such a large amount of data that they can start to draw conclusions and come up with a, a metric for at what point should one be concerned about whether they are sick with COVID 19. To be clear, this does not diagnose someone, right. but it's intended rather to find sort of early signs that suggest perhaps one should go to the doctor and get properly diagnosed.
0: What do we know about numbers of COVID cases in the military so far?
3: So the military overall since March has had about 43,000 of their service members test positive for COVID-19. And of those, there's been seven deaths among the military, far lower than the statistics for the general population. I think the most sort of famous Instance of an outbreak of COVID-19 within the U.S. military was aboard the USS Theodore Roosevelt, which is a carrier that was operating in the Pacific when it had an outbreak of more than 1,000, if I recall correctly. That's about of a 4,800-member crew. And what's interesting is in that case, many, many of those who tested positive showed no symptoms at all. And so there's already been a real-world sort of challenge for the United States military vis-a-vis COVID. And the interesting thing is that the numbers sort of tell one story. Practically speaking, what you're seeing in the military is a restriction on movement because of um, concerns about COVID-19. Service members now having to quarantine for two weeks before they go out on deployment. So there's been a real shift in operations because of COVID-19. And that was really triggered, I think, in terms of substantial changes to how the United States military operates by the outbreak on the USS Theodore Roosevelt. But the numbers overall are quite positive from the military's perspective in terms of ratio of total number of cases to deaths compared to the general population. Now, of those 43,000, about half, maybe more so, a little bit more, have are recovered. So, this is out of a population of about 2 million plus.
0: With this type of study, you know, it's not very invasive or anything. They're just kind of collecting data from, as you mentioned, these are the smart watches or smart rings or things that they're using. Is this uh, an opt-in thing for the service members? Because You know, obviously, we're kind of using them as as guinea pigs for this type of study. But is this all opt in for them?
3: So yes and no. I think there are units that are sort of volunteering. I don't think anybody's being asked to wear it who doesn't want to. I think if someone speaks up and says they don't want to wear it, that is an option. But you're getting at a bigger issue, which is the relationship between medicine and the military goes all the way back to the beginning of war itself, because so often the military, because of the injuries you see in war, has been a place, a source for research and understanding of new challenges in terms of medical treatment. I think we saw this most recently in the the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, PTSD, TBI, and of course amputees and those who have lost limbs and how they recover over the long term. And when a service member had to lose, had to confront amputation, I think at the beginning of the war, there was one understanding. And as those wars progressed, there's been a more sophisticated understanding of when that process has to happen, what can be saved, what cannot, and so there's a long long history of that interaction, this, relatively speaking, is the least invasive. We, we, yeah. We've also had a history of the military um, testing medicines and other things on service members unwittingly, and they've even seen lawsuits because of the consequences of those tests.
0: Yeah, well, for now, I mean, as you mentioned, this is pretty uh, non-invasive, and uh, I think it's very worthwhile if they can apply this to ongoing technologies that we have readily available. As I mentioned, the iWatch can test these blood oxygen levels. I mean, this could be really good for looking for uh, early detection uh, of illnesses in other people as well. Nancy Youssef, National Security Correspondent at The Wall Street Journal, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: disease.
4: Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety?